Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. This morning we're talking about the importance of God's Word. I want to begin just by asking some simple questions. Number one, how important is the Word of God to you in your life? How important is it? Secondly, what place does it hold in your life? What place does it hold? And thirdly, how has it impacted or influenced your conduct, your character, and your behavior? God gave us his word to impact and influence our lives so that we can live our lives the way he wants us to live our lives. But before you answer the question, let's see what Job said about it. In Job 23 and verse 12, neither have I gone back from the commandment of, the, of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In other words, as far as he's concerned, the word of God is more important than the food that he eats. Then we got Jeremiah. To him, it was the joy and the rejoicing of his heart. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found and I did eat them. What an attitude. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts, O Lord God of hosts. In other words, he devoured it. Job devoured it. But then there's another authority. His name is Jesus. And you know what he said? Every word is to live by. Look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, wow, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Can you imagine that? So, why is it important for us to answer these questions? Because too many people today just toss this book aside and have nothing to do with it. But yet we see here, this view is far different than the view of people today. People want to be entertained rather than taught the Word of God. And we should want to be taught the Word of God. But let me show you something here in Isaiah 66, the first two verses of, of that chapter. Of course, inspired by the Spirit of God. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being, declares the Lord? These are the ones I look on with favor. Whoa, let's listen. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Did you hear that? Now, let's explain this. He's talking about he's in heaven. That's his throne where he sits, where the fullness of his majesty, power, and glory are. The earth is his footstool, which means it's where he rests. So because he is so enormous, 
How can any man on earth build him a temple that he could live in? Even Solomon's temple in all of its glory. And by the way, in today's market, it would have cost, in my research, anywhere from $150 billion to a trillion dollars, depending on measurements and on, on weights and all that sort of thing, all the gold, the silver, and all the different precious materials that were used in it. So it ranges from $150 million to a trillion dollars to build the place where God would rest in the Ark of the Covenant on top of the Ark was where he would rest. That's where his glory would manifest. And what did he say? That's not what I want. That's not where I'm going to rest. Remember Jesus says, you see that temple? Bring it down. In three days, I'll rebuild it. Meaning when he was raised up from the dead, he has a new dwelling place. Where does he want to live? Where does he want to abide? Where does he want his glory to rest? On a person who's humble, with a contrite heart, who trembles at his word. What reverence we should have for this holy word of God. That we should devour it, hold it in the highest esteem, study it so as to live by it. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Now, in the Hebrews chapter 12, and this is uh, from the New King James Version, I want to give us a visual of what it's like to really hear God even speak his word. You ready for this? This is a visual. This is Mount Sinai. This is where Moses got the Ten Commandments. For you have not come to the mountain that they may be touched, and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of of words notice the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded and if so much as a beast touches the mountain it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said I am exceedingly afraid and trembling when he received the word of the commandments on Mount Sinai, the word spoken with a voice that was so powerful, he trembled. Not at the content, but the force, the power behind it. So when God speaks, wow, what he says is vital. What he says is important. In those first ten, first ten, in the Ten Commandments, the first four, our relationship with God is defined. The last six, our relationship with people in society is defined. And he says, this is how I want you to live your lives, to conduct yourself in the earth. Now, characteristics of someone who is a trembler, I have listed for you. Number one, one who is a trembler at the word of God longs to hear the word of God. When I first got saved, there was such a hunger and a thirst for me to study the word of God, to know the word of God, to go to church, to receive the word of God. No one had to twist my arm. No one had to tell me. I longed to hear the word of God being spoken. Look in the book of Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. 
It's like you're wearing some fine jewelry. When you wear the word of God. Now he's talking about Jewish people who at the time they taught their children from the age five on up the word of God. They were absolutely to be taught the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. First five books to be taught and trained in the word of God so that by the age of 13 when they had their bar mitzvah they could quote the Pentateuch. Can you imagine that? intensive study in the word of God you go to the book of Deuteronomy and it says talk about the word when you sit in your house when you rise up when you lie down whatever you're doing wherever you're going talk about the word of God so they ingrained within them the word of God they train them up in the word of God to know the word of God from a young early age why so that when they throughout their lives would attend the synagogue or go into eventually getting saved and born again because when Jesus came and all that they would have a hunger for the word of God to hear the word of God if you ever find yourself in a situation where you don't pick up your Bible you're not listening to someone preach and proclaim the truth of God's word there's a problem there's an inward problem because you know what babies desire sincere milk of the word to grow thereby and then when you grow from milk, you go on to meat. And strong meat belongs to those that have become mature in the things of God. We should never lose our desire for the word of God. Secondly, we have a desire also to believe the word of God. Look in Mark's gospel, chapter 9. We have a desire to believe. Do you have a desire this morning to really believe, latch onto and believe the word of God? Look at what it says. This is a man whose son had a suicidal spirit. Can you imagine growing up this, with this son? suicidal spirit who oftentimes threw him into fire and water to kill him to take his life and this is the father who's crying out for help for this son and no one can help him he's gone everywhere went to the disciples the disciples couldn't help him either but now he goes to Jesus he asked his father how long has it been happening to him and he said from childhood and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him to take his life and the man says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, it's not what I can do. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Look at this next verse. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Now wait a minute. This man was willing to do anything. Take him anywhere, everywhere, submit himself, humble himself, do whatever he could to get help for his son. And now he finds out it's not about what someone else can do. It's about what I can believe. And Jesus says, if you can believe all things are possible, including your son being whole, Lord, I believe as far as I know to believe. But do what? Help my unbelief. One who trembles at the word says, I see what the word says. And you know what? I'm having a hard time believing it right now. Maybe my circumstances are bigger than, the, than, than my understanding of God's word. Whatever it might be that's limiting me from truly believing God to have his help in my life. Lord, help my unbelief. Don't give up on the word of God. And don't give up on what you believe. If it's not happening in your life, just get back to the drawing board and get before God and be like this humble man, a humble contrite spirit who trembles at the word. Well, if that's the case, then... Help my unbelief. How did he help his unbelief? He healed his son. You think he believed after that when he saw him rise up? No, no longer demonized? No longer throwing himself to the fire and to the water to kill himself? Yeah, he believed then. He got some help for his unbelief. Look at the next. He intends to act upon the word of God. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 7, we have these wonderful words given by Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. 
he gave this discourse, this wonderful sermon that he preached up there on that mountain that they'd never heard anyone preach like this before. And at the very end of it, he says these words, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, he hears the word, believes the word, and now look at this, and does them. He doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So the intent is for us to not only hear the word, believe the word, but be a doer of the word of God. Not just hearers only. We'll deceive our own selves. So it's all about the word of God taking its root within our hearts and producing fruit in our lives. And if we're not carrying out that fruit right now, don't give up on it, praise God. You just continue believing God and ask him to help any area of unbelief that you might have or that I might have in my life. Now, in this next segment, we want to talk about the benefits of being a person of the word, to really long to hear the word, believe the word, act upon the word, to know the word. Look at what it says. The number one benefit first and foremost in any person's life, is it leads us to salvation. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. This is from the New King James Version of the Bible. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have heard them, and that from childhood, notice, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's those in the natural world that we live in who don't even know they need to be saved. Some will say, save from what? Some think that they can be saved just by being good enough or doing good works. I remember growing up myself and thinking, I hope I can make heaven someday. But I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know if I could be saved or if I could know I could be saved. I was only hoping that I would be good enough someday for God to open up the heavenly gates and say, come on in. So once again, natural man is not wise to salvation. And natural man has many ways they think that you can get to God. But here, Paul's telling Timothy, from a childhood, you've learned the Holy Scriptures that will teach you how to be wise into salvation. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything more important than where you will spend your eternal destination? This life we live is called our destiny, and we're here for a short temporal period of time. But every one of us being an eternal spirit being will live on throughout eternity, and that means your eternal destination, it better be in the right place because eternal means eternal. So nothing is more important than that. So this man called Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus by night. He's a religious leader of the day among the Pharisees, among the scribes and Sadducees and all that. 
And he comes to Jesus by night and he says to Jesus at night, we know you're a teacher who came from God because nobody can do the miracles that you did except God was sent him. And he said, Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be reborn? He said, Nicodemus, you being a leader, don't know these things? How can you know other things if you don't know this? I'm not talking about a physical birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said to you, look at John chapter uh, 3 and verse 7. Marvel not that I said to you, you must. Everybody say, we must. We must be born again. Look at Jesus is saying this. Do I have to give you his credentials? All these other people that say there's other ways that you can get to God. There's other religious and religious beliefs and all that. Let me ask you this. Has any of them been raised from the dead? Has any of them appeared to 500 people at one time after being raised from the dead and said, I am he that liveth and was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave? No. So Jesus said, you must be born again. But look at 1 Peter 1.23. To show you where the word comes into play. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the what? By the word of God. Finding out what the word of God says is our only way that, to salvation. It leads us to salvation. By the word of God, which lives and abides how long? Forever. You get the seed of God's word. You plant it into your heart. You become a born again, blood washed child of God. And you're with him throughout eternity. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. But what saith it? The word is nigh you. It's in your heart, in your mouth, the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made to salvation. One is not saved by his performance. He's not saved by his works. He's not saved by even going to church or keeping laws and that sort of thing. He is saved by believing in the finished work of Christ. By believing in the performance of Jesus Christ. And making a decision to accept him as Savior and Lord. To deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. That's how a person gets saved. Not by what we do, but by what he has done. And are acknowledging it and by faith accepting it and living it out. Can you say amen? So in other words, it leads us to salvation. The only way we can know how to be saved and be certain of it is because he's the one that rose from the dead. He's the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave. Our only hope is in him. I'll tell you what, if he's not raised, you're, you're yet in your sins and so am I. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, number two, it also leads us to healing and deliverance. Look at Psalms, book of Psalms 107, verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhors all manner of meat. They draw nigh to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. He sent his what? his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And should we forget, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not made anything was made and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is called the word made flesh who dwelt among us. And we beheld his beauty and his grace. But the thing is, he sent his word. He sent his word to us. Jesus is the word. So when we look at the book, we look at the Bible, we see it is the word of God written, penned by, by man, but also inspired by, the, by God and by the Spirit. We understand that this is God breathed. This is revealing to us the living word. It may be the written word, 
But it reveals to us the living word who came to do what? Heal us and deliver us from our destruction. Also it leads to success. Look at uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. So what is he promoting? Meditation in the word of God. In other words, don't meditate on the problem. Someone once asked me, how do you meditate? I have a hard time understanding meditation. I said, just think about how you worry and you're frustrated and anxious about all the problems you have in life. And do the opposite. Just do the opposite. We don't have to be taught how to worry. Do we? Mm -mm. You don't have to be taught how to play this thing over in your mind over and over and over and over and over again. Do you? What's going to happen now? I don't know what's going to happen now. And you start thinking all the worst things. Right? Find out what God said and start saying, hmm, fear not for you're with me. Be not dismayed because you're my God. You're the great I am and you're my God. Yeah, you will strengthen me. You will help me. You will uphold me with the right hand of your righteousness. You know what? I'm going to think about that for a while. I'm going to talk about that for a while. Meditate in the word of God by day and night. Look at Psalm. First Psalm. First three verses. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of the sinner, but sits in the seat of the, or sits in the, seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, or the word of God. And in it he meditates how often? Day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does will what? prosper so we can understand how we can have prosperity of the spirit of the soul of the body in all areas of our lives how by meditating in the word of God and renewing our minds to what God said as to how we should live you see man's a tripart being spirit soul and body when you got saved your spirit man got born again but your soul had didn't get born again your soul mind will emotion intellect has to be taught the word of God we are told, keep your body under and do what? Renew your mind so you can prove the good, acceptable will of God. Don't be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Once you get saved, the next thing you've got to do is to get your mind renewed by the word of God. James said it this way. It's corrupt in the way we think. Lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive what make this the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. That means to renew your mind, to deliver you from your corrupt reasoning faculties. Would you agree with me that uh, the enemy of death called that was in us before we got saved put a lot of bad thoughts in our heads? Absolutely. And so we've got to be delivered from that corrupt way of thinking. And the only way is, as Psalm 23 says, he restores my soul. He takes it back to understand the way I'm supposed to think as God wants me to think because God's ways and God's laws and thoughts are higher than ours. So it's important that we understand our need to do what? Renew our minds to the word of God. Look at the next one. It will guide our steps. Everybody needs guidance as you travel through this life. In the book of Psalms 119, here in 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Back then in those days, they would put on their sandals some candle lights and they would walk and when they would step at night, you know, sometimes we have a hard time relating to this, but back then they didn't have the floodlights like we have today. You walk on a dark highway back then, a dark road back then, you had no means of finding out where your next step is going to be in a ditch or wherever off a cliff. So it would light their way. And that's why he said, it's like a flashlight. Your word's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path so I can see where I'm going. Look at the next one, Psalm 119, verse 130. What it says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You know, we, I qualify as being simple. I don't know about you, but I qualify as being simple, you know. And he says, I want to give you understanding. I want to give you wisdom. I want to give you knowledge. And how? By studying his word. 
giving place to his word. Look at the next one, number six. And this is a very important one for, for young people today. It gives a, a young man guidance. Wherein will a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119 verse 9. By taking heed according to your word. How can a young man, are you a young man or a young woman? How can you cleanse your way? By taking heed according to thy word. You've heard me say this oftentimes, you know, with, with young people, especially I, I, I relate because of my son Dante. Is he, it was at high school at Beaver and he's played football and all that. And, you know, when you're on the football team and you're a captain and all that, you know, you're popular with all the, your friends and all that sort of thing. But you know what? I think about him often when I read that verse of scripture because while all the other ones went off into doing drugs, alcohol, and everything else, he was shunned. He was shunned. And the reason why he was shunned was because he did not gravitate toward that. You see, he had the word of God that did what? Cleansed his way. He goes, I will not be involved in that. I will not be involved in that. And right now he's a prime candidate for someone to be a, a one who drives you home from your parties. He's always getting called up, pick me up, give me a ride home. Because he cleansed his way. And you know what? They laughed at him. They could mock him and, and that sort of thing. But you know what? Jesus was smiling on him that whole time and saying, that's the way to go. Honor me, and I will honor you. And he's honored him. Look at the next one. It gives life and health. I love these verses. They're so powerful. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. But notice, my son, attend to my words. My son, my daughter, my grandchildren, attend to my words. How? Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, Listen to what I'm saying. Any parent out there ever say to your child, listen to what I'm saying to you? What kind of response did you get? Listen to what I'm saying. Keep them before your eyes. Think about what I'm saying. What kind of response did you get? Listen to what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. Next one, believe. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Believe what I'm saying. I know there's a generation gap and young people think they know more than those that are more seasoned and mature when it comes to life. And all we're trying to do is to prevent pitfalls and that sort of thing and stumbling and making mistakes that we made along life's path. But you know what? They think they know more until they fall into the ditch and find out that, oh, I guess dad knew what he was talking about. I guess mom knew what she was talking about. So that's what he is saying. Listen. He said, listen to what I'm saying. Believe what I'm saying. Or think about what I'm saying. Believe what I'm saying. And it will be life to you. And health to all your flesh. Isn't that powerful? Where does it come from? The word of God. And so it's important that we understand that if we want that. Now, look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. We read chapter 3 and offered some thoughts there. But we didn't give you all of what it really was stating. So I want to conclude by doing this. The word of God also gives preachers something to preach. I hope you didn't come to hear about current events this morning. I hope you didn't come to hear about things that don't pertain to our lives as Christians and things that are relevant to how we live our lives as Christians. I do pray that you came to hear what thus saith the Lord this morning as the word of God is expounded upon and taught. Remember, the trembler longs to hear the word, desires to believe the word. And intends to act upon the word. Amen. Here Paul is telling Timothy. Preach the word. Someone tells me all the time. You use a lot of scripture. I know. 
I'm I'm sure you're getting that right now. Because what I have to say is not relevant to you. But what God speaks and what God says is relevant to all of us. So I pray you came to church to hear the word of God, not me. Okay, so look at what he said here. This is once again from the New King James Version of the Bible. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Let's back that up. Let's go a little bit slower. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What a preface to what he's about to say. Preach the word. Did you hear that? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince. Rebuke. Exhort. With all longsuffering and teaching. Why, Paul? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from truth the truth and be turned aside to fables did you get that admonition you better lay heavy on the word of God because the time is coming when these teachers will begin to undermine the word of God and make people think that it's okay for them to fulfill their own desires and live the way they want to live but before I get to that Look at these words I have listed for you from the third chapter when he said all scripture is inspired by God, given by God, it's God breathed. Someone once told me, but I'm not going to believe that because man wrote it. I said, God breathed it, the spirit narrated it, and pen, men penned it is the way to look at it. It's like if I were to tell you, take this dictation and you write it down, it came from me, not from you. God spoke out of heaven and shook the mountain, Mount Sinai, and said, this is how I want my people to be governed. He spoke it, Moses penned it, actually God with his finger wrote it on the tablets of stone, right? And then God says, I'll write it with my finger on the heart of man, which he has. You know what my goal is today? Is to really stir up within us a true hunger and desire to get back to the Bible. Get back to the word of God and let it govern our lives. Okay? Amen. So here, number one, it's good for doctrine. What does he mean by doctrine? Our belief system. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about creation? What do you believe about man and his fall? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? What do you believe about redemption? What do you believe about life, death, and eternity? You go off to school. We've had people from here. They go away. They go to college. They go to some some professor who's an atheist who has all kinds of theories about life, death, and eternity. Know what a theory is? It's a a supposition based on the lack of understanding of what the subject is all about. It's a supposition based on the ignorance of the subject under discussion is what it is. They don't know it so they theorize it. If you continue in my word, you're my disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know what I know about creation? God did it. He spoke it into being by the words of his mouth. 
It's upheld by the word of his power. By the word of his power, it is upheld. I know that. You know what I believe about the fall of man? Exactly what it tells me right here in this book. Man fell because he made a decision to step beyond the boundaries that God established for his being here upon this earth. And when he did, he separated himself from God. He fell in spirit, soul, and body. Spirit separated from God, soul lost the knowledge of God, and body became mortal and subject to death. And that needs to be redeemed, born again, mind renewed, and then body one day physically, we're going to be glorified. I thank God for that. That's about man. Know what else I know? Jesus Christ. I know Jesus Christ from the beginning to end. There's a bl red bloodline from Genesis to Revelation. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And in Revelation chapter 5, you know what it culminates in? It says, you are the worthy lamb because you shed your blood. You redeemed us from every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Made us kings and priests before our God. And we shall reign with you in all the earth. And man's not saved with silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission of sin. It's my belief system, your belief system about redemption. He redeemed us. Life, death, and eternity. Life is a period of time taken from eternity in which you're going to determine your eternal destination. That's what life is. Death is a separation of your spirit and soul from your body going to one of two places. Heaven, present heaven, or the present hell. How do I know that? It's right here in the book. It's waiting the final judgment. New heavens and a new earth is for all those that accept the Christ and those that have not accepted the Christ will be in the lake of fire throughout eternity. Which is, which is eternity. That's where we spend our eternity. So it's all right there in the book. So this book was given to us. Why? So we can have a right understanding about creation, about God, creation, man's fall, Jesus, redemption, and so on. But it's also given for reproof. To convince people what's right and wrong according to God's standards, not ours. For correction. To free... Uh, to correct people, to convince people of God's way is the right way and not man's way. And then also instruction, instruction in righteousness. You know, look in Proverbs 16, verse 25. Look at this verse in Proverbs 16, 25. Man has his ideas. He has his ways. He thinks that if I just do what I need to do, in my own opinion, I'm going to make it to glory. At a hospital one time when a man was dying, you know, he, he had a heart attack. He was literally dying. And I asked him, Brother Chuck and I were there, and we asked him, if you die today, do you know you'll make heaven? We're talking about a step away, a heartbeat away from eternity. That's a long time. Lake of fire, glory of God. He said, I hope so. I think so. I said, well then, on what basis will you make heaven if you think well, I think uh, I've lived a pretty good life. I don't steal from people. I don't cheat people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, so you're basing you going to heaven on your personal works. Yeah, I hope I'm good enough. I said, sir, if you could be good enough to make heaven, then God is the most horrific being I've ever heard of. And that got his attention. He said, why do you say that? I said, because he sent his son to die the most horrific death that any person has ever died for you. So you can make heaven on his merit, not on yours. His performance, not yours. Why would he do that when all he had to do is tell you, hey, Bill, be a good guy. You'll be okay. You'll make heaven someday. I had someone tell me that. I was witnessing this person. I was sitting down in a chair. He walked over to me and said, just like that. Never forget it. Some things, they stay in you forever. You're all right. Just be good enough. You'll make it someday. 
Oh, I said, oh, thank God my eyes have been opened. I was blind, but now I see. I can't make it based on my good works. Jesus died a horrific death. He, his visage was so marred more than any man. He didn't even appear to be human-like on that cross. Not enough time to get into all the details of that, but he sent him to die that death so I can make heaven, not based on me, but based on him. Oh, thank God. Thank God. There is, where's that scripture? There is a way that seems right unto a man. Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it, is what? The way of death. Look at it. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of, are the ways of what? Death. Death. People think there's more ways that you can get to heaven. Well, I'm sorry. Not according to Jesus. Then they'll say you're narrow-minded. Well, straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Jesus said. Okay? Okay, now, instruction in, in righteous living. But look under point two. Do you know the time has come? The day we're living in right now, the time has come that Paul was talking to Timothy about. The time will come when people will want to hear teachers that tickle their ears. Just tell them what they want to hear. Let them hear what they want to hear. Think about our society, our culture today. Do you know in a society when God's word is rejected and disregarded, what breaks out? Anarchy. All kind of crazy living. Okay, listen to what Paul told him. The time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. They will not listen to what the word of God says. And he's the creator of it all. He's the originator of it all. Why would you want to believe some professor who's an atheist whose theories are based on a lack of knowledge? When you can base your belief system on a savior who made many powerful claims when he walked upon the earth, but he said on the third day, I will rise again. And I will rebuild a temple that God will live in. That's going to be the temple of your body. And so on the third day he arose from the dead. The rock was rolled away, thrown away, hurled away by angels. And then he showed himself alive. And if that wasn't enough, he appeared to 500 people at one time. So that in a court of law, that would be enough to accuse anybody of anything. And they saw him alive. And his living among them for 40 days was so powerful that it took these disciples of his that were what cowards when Jesus died on Calvary's cross they were cowards they ran their way Peter denied him three times that were in hiding but when they saw him raised from the dead a boldness came upon them on the day of Pentecost that enabled them to be ushered out into the Jerusalem streets Samaria Judea Samaria uttermost parts of the earth to proclaim that Jesus was alive with a with reckless abandon they weren't concerned about their lives they gave themselves over to persecution, affliction, being sawn asunder, cutting their bodies in half, dying at the stake, being eaten by lions. And the list goes on and on the way they die their martyr's death. Why? Because he was truly not risen from the dead. Oh my, my, my. No. They believed because they saw him. And because they saw him, they were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other figure in all human history that has his credentials. And look what he says. People don't want to listen. They want to live by their own standards. Well, you know what? There's three elements to preaching. Are you ready for them? And I promise you I will close. You ready for them? Three elements to proper preaching wherever you go to church, whether you come to church here or anywhere else. Number one, well, first of all, I put them in different order when I explain it, but reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. I started with exhort for a reason. 
It means to encourage people along the way, no matter what obstacles that you might face in life. It means, come on, pump them up, build them up. It's like motivational preaching. We've got a lot of motivational preaching. I believe I preach a motivational message as well. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is this. Listen to the Apostle Paul who was persecuted more than any man here in the body of Christ when he lived upon the earth. And what did he do? I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. What did he say? I'm a more than conqueror through, through him that loves me. If God be for you, who could be against you? He that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? I am fully persuaded that not life, death, principality, powers, whatever, could keep you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what are you going through? I've learned in whatever state to be independent of the circumstances because God is on my side. And then John said, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. You're more than a conqueror than him. I mean, the list goes on and on. God wants to care for you, provide for you, take care of your needs, lift you up, encourage you when you're going through a fight. You're fighting your good fight of faith, right? We want to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged. But how many of you know we also need to be reproved? And then when you start reproving, people don't want to hear that. It means to clearly point out biblical truth to correct a person's wrong views and wrong thinking. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to delve into it. But anyone who says abortion is not murder, you ask God about that and see if it is or not. Thou shalt not kill. But it's my body. It's, that's life. Let it go and see if it lives. But they don't want to be corrected by that. And, and the gender thing, I'm sorry, but you, look in the mirror. You're saying you're being insensitive. No, I'm not. I'm being helpful, and I love the person more than the person that says, just be who you want to be. You know why? Because you're an eternal spirit being. It's not about your body. It's about your eternal soul that will live on forever. And where you spend it is determined by decisions that you make as you live your life upon the earth. You need to have help. And that help involves spirit and soul. And you know what? You get your spirit and soul right, your body will line up. But people want to hear that kind of reproof. And I can show it to you in Scripture, too. And to rebuke. To point out what is wrong and show them what is right. Do you know that Jesus did that with the religious leaders of his day? You know what he said to them? How about this? Sweet Jesus. We see those pictures of sweet, wonderful Jesus. Those beautiful words flowing from his lips. And then the Pharisees come along. And, and he just got done healing a woman who was bowed over with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Cast out a spirit of infirmity. And she's healed and she's whole. And they walk over to him and they say, you shouldn't have done that. It's a Sabbath day. You violated the law of Moses. What does Jesus say? You hypocrites. How about that one? How about that for some fine preaching and rebuking? You hypocrites. You go and you loose your animals from the stall and you take them out, your livestock, and water them on the Sabbath day. And you say, that's okay, but this woman being a daughter of Abraham, she shouldn't be healed on the Sabbath day. You're a bunch of hypocrites. Read Matthew 23. Hypocrite, 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 hypocrite. He said, on the outside, you look all clean. On the inside, you're like, why did sepulchers? Full of dead men's bones. Wow. Would you call that a rebuke? Yeah. But you see, our society and culture, they, they don't want to hear that. They just want to hear, go to church and be lifted up. That's wonderful. Be lifted up. But also be reproved and be rebuked for what is right and what is wrong. Not my standard, but by God's standard. If he says it's right, it's right. If he says it's wrong, it's wrong. Can you say amen? Amen. Okay. Isaiah. Well, look, look, let me close with this. 
I'm, I'm, I'm really closing, honestly. Conclusion. All right. Look at John's gospel, chapter 14. This is an example. Another example. I've had people say there are many ways. You know, Oprah was big for this. There's many ways that lead to God. We have the same God, one God, and there are many paths. There's many ways that lead. I'm not making fun. I'm being realistic. I'm, I'm giving reality. Okay. There are many ways that lead to God. Yeah. All except one lead to judgment from God. Only one leads to righteousness and eternal living in him. So you ready for it? According to the one that has the credentials I already established, here's what he said. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions and dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He said, Thomas, oh my goodness. Don't you know? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, no man. Everybody say no man. Comes to the Father, but by me. Do we agree to that? But what about all these other personalities, all these movie stars that don't agree to that? Are they right? No. No one comes to the Father but by me. Period. Look at Isaiah 40 and verse 8 in conclusion. The grass withers. Although the grass this year was not that bad. We had a lot of rain. How, how about your lawn? My lawn's not too bad. A little bit, a little spotty here and there. It's dried up and all that. The grass withers. The flowers fade. Did you ever see flowers fade sometime? Yeah. But the word of our God shall stand for a season. For a millennium. How long? What will stand forever? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word that upholds, sustains, and maintains this world that you live in will never, never, never pass away. So man may pass away, but I'll tell you what, he's going to be judged by the very word of God. Amen. Praise God. Let's throw up our last verse there. Psalm 138 and verse 2. Notice what God Almighty said. You talk about a place he esteemed his word. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified your word above all thy name. So let's answer the questions. How important is the word of God to me? To you? I would say it's at the top of the list. It's the only thing that leads to salvation. What place does it have in my life? Am I living by it? Am I ordering my steps by it? What do you mean? Are you loving your wife like Christ loved the church? Are you submitting to your husband as unto the Lord? Children, are you obeying your parents in the Lord for this is right? Honor your parents, your mother and father. It's the first commandment would promise that it'll be well with you. You live long on the earth. Are you? See, are we being governed by the word? Let him that stole steal no more. Let your light shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that includes in the workplace. Let your light shine, not your anger. 
you getting the point? What place is it holding in my life? How has it impacted or influenced my conduct, my character, and my behavior? Questions we all answer for ourselves because one day we'll stand before the throne of God and he'll say, I gave you my word to govern your life. What have you done with it? Let's all stand together before the Lord.